0: Welcome to the Hyper Voice! I'm your host, Stephen Morioka, and today I'm joined by Alexander Hill, Alola. <laughs> Alola. And also here with us today is Aaron Trailer.
1: Hey, how's it going?
2: Am I supposed to say Alola? No, no,
0: you don't have to say Alola. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we are doing great here.
2: I say it every time just for fun because we're in the sun and moon era, so. It's a good one.
0: <laughs> I feel like Thank we're going to be in the sun and moon era for a long time, though. So, this will be great. This is a show about Pokemon's Video Game Championship Series, also known as VGC for short. We are here to talk about a few tournaments that happened over the past few weekends, some of the more major ones that occurred. But first off, and this will kind of be, uh, inherent within each of these tournaments as well, is just our first topic for this show is just talking about overall attendance in Pokemon and what we've been seeing through this season, at least, um, you know, obviously in the fall when we had the 2016 format, you know, numbers weren't the greatest simply because uh, it was the fall. People were playing the old format. A lot of people didn't like it that much as well, uh, as the popular opinion I was hearing. Now we're kind of in this spring portion of the spring portion of the circuit, and attendance again is getting you know kind of lower, you know, very much lower comparative to uh, when we were in January through March. And you know I kind of just wanted to hear a little bit of what you guys thought think about this um you know I feel like there are just two ends to this is really you have people who are qualified for worlds already or really just borderline they don't really need to go to too many major events anymore because they don't have to worry about the some people will worry about the day 2 buys and travel awards while others you know they're kind of way behind already it doesn't matter and likewise in a similar situation for some other people who uh you know feel like worlds isn't really they won't be able to make worlds this season you know maybe just dealing with their confidence or whatever with the events they have left you know some people have also given up hope so you know attendance is a big factor for these tournaments so i just kind of want to hear what you guys thought about this
1: so at my local events um i have never been to a four round pc before they've always been five rounds you know, with top eight, right? Um, and so that's nice, because, you can, you know, you can go three and two and have a chance of it. But um, in, the, in the past couple of months, the attendance has halved. And so we have four-round top four, or even at one I wasn't at, uh, three-round, like, top two. Um, and wow. These events, like, barely hand out CP, right? Um, and so I've been going to PCs since, like, they started in 2014, and this has never happened before. Um, so I really want to know um, the answer to this, too. I I think it's because um, the circuit, it's it's just not feasible to play in a couple of events and get your invite. Um, I think people are starting to realize that as it gets closer to the end of the season, you know, um, like, if you have 100 CP right now, you need to be a god for the remaining two months that you can get CP. And maybe you'll qualify to Worlds. Right.
2: I was just saying, I think Steven made a good point that, uh, like for the larger events that we're seeing, people just aren't going because, uh, there are people giving up already seeing, like, these people that you're mentioning, maybe at around 100 CP, know that even if they win a regional, they're still, uh, like, 200 CP away and they would have to have a good national run to make it to worlds. Yeah. And so it's just gonna look really hopeless at that point. And so maybe that's why people are just kind of just trailing off and not playing as much. I, Uh, Also, something else Stephen brought up was that you know fall had a dwindling attendance, and we kind of expected Sun and Moon to bring it back up because it's the new games. However, we're still kind of seeing this trending fall off in attendance, at least here in America, where uh, just before nationals, these regionals are getting smaller and smaller attendance.
1: Yeah, it's weird. You'd think they'd uh, they'd get bigger and bigger as people trying to go for it one last time, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, these are like people's last opportunities, you know, to try to make it... Two worlds because, uh, nationals is the biggest tournament of the year. And so, and not the biggest tournament of the year, but the, you know, biggest US only tournament of the, uh, year. And yeah. so, uh, a lot of people don't want to like ride on that tournament alone. A lot of people want to try to get as many points as possible to make their, uh, national finish less, uh, detrimental to making worlds. Yeah. Uh, I'm, but yeah, I was going to say, Uh, I also imagine, you know, going into Nationals, since we're talking about, like, dwindling attendance, uh, what do you guys think is going to happen at Nationals this year? Like, do you think it's going to have a smaller attendance, or is it going to be like what we've seen in past years? That's a good question.
0: That is a good question. Uh, I don't know. We've, you know, back in the winter, we really capitalized off of Sun and Moon's release, and, you know, it was really, really popular back then. And now just with... uh, I don't know. There are a lot of factors playing into this final international here, but I don't know whether I don't I definitely don't see numbers going up. That's for sure. Um, whether it goes down or stays the same, I don't really know which way to lean. I would I would almost imagine lo- a little lower because the bar is higher for a lot of people. Um, it's a little more expensive for everyone just to go to that event and play in the event this year. So I would almost imagine no- numbers might be lower.
1: Yeah, um, so last year when everyone was talking about how much they hated the format and how um, VGC 2016 was awful, uh, I did the math on Nationals numbers in 2015 and 2016, and they were even, yep. um,
0: Okay. which cool. surprised me a lot.
1: So I think we're going to get surprised by how many people show up, because like, it's kind of doom and gloomy now, but I, I feel confident that we'll hit around 400. Um, that's my guess. I think another thing that we haven't talked about so far, as far as uh, entry numbers, is entry fees. Um, Because, you know, before 2016, there weren't entry fees, right? You had to pay $25 to get into nationals. And that meant, you know, if you're bringing your dad, you could sign them up. If you were bringing your twin brother, you know, he doesn't play Pokemon, but he's in the area and he's bored, you know, hand him a DS, make him a team, and, you know, you can play nine rounds of Pokemon for free. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's, like, dwindling numbers in general, like, worries me a little bit. But, like, overall, um, it might just be a dip before we go up again.
2: No, that is a good point that you brought up. Uh, how, you know, 2015 uh, had a about 400 people at the National in the in U.S. And the next year, in a format that a lot of people weren't feeling so sure about, uh still had just as many people show up and that was a lot like that was surprising to a lot of people a lot of people thought it was going to be smaller and yep. so uh I think we're bring up a good point we could end up being pleasantly surprised with a large attendance because uh despite the large entry fee for this event it's an event that I think a lot of people have been anticipating it's the big like Pokemon convention because it kind of doubles as that you know just go and hang out if you're a Pokemon fan and so that's going to draw people in even if there's like a Entrance fee. A lot of, like, gaming conventions have, like, entrance fees where you're going to, like, a fighting game tournament, or if you're going to do one that just celebrates, you know, just video games in general, you've, you're you gonna have to pay to enter these a lot of the time. And so, uh, people that are fans of Pokemon probably will still come out. Like, $15 isn't gonna really add a whole lot to your trip. You know, if you're planning on spending the money on a plane ticket, or if you're gonna be driving all the way down and spending four nights in a hotel, $15 isn't gonna make you turn around
1: yeah exactly. That's a great point. Um, you know, sixty dollars might make
2: your 60 dollar entry fee turn into a 15 spectator fee if you're one of those people <laughs> who's not dead set on playing. But- <laughs> oh, you, you know you're, you're right. You are right about those people because uh, I talked about this in the last week, but I do have two people that are going to be coming purely as spectators, and while they've never actually played just for the sake of playing, they're go- definitely going to remain spectators with an uh, entry fee
0: like that. So I absolutely love how you guys are really stressing positivity and we're hope, we're very, being very hopeful with the numbers here. And, uh, I was talking with my brother over the weekend and, uh, you know, we were discussing the, all these fees and stuff for this international here. And he was always questioning and wondering, well, the spectators are paying to watch, but what exactly are they watching? Cause all they have is what? Just the one, uh, big stream video over, over well, we the BBC three side? At the
2: last years. Remember?
0: Hey. You
2: can't discount... TVs,
0: right? Just the TVs?
2: They were TVs.
1: <laughs> you can't discount the value of the Creative Corner. That, that $50 oh, okay. is a four-day
2: all-access pass to the Creative Corner. <laughs> they give out free, like, f- drawing the lines Pokemon, you know? Like, you can yeah. go over there and grab, like, a exactly. white sheet with Blossom on it, and you can color that in, like, for free. They they got the paper, they printed <laughs> it out. They, you don't have to spend anything on ink.
0: Yeah, so, I... <laughs>
2: <laughs> good point. Very good point. But yeah, Steven, so you're saying that, you know, maybe... And I'm really hoping, you know, since that spectators are actually paying for this one, that they really step up the uh, the viewing, the, I don't know, just the level of quality of for a spectator, for a viewer. Because, you know, we can't really hear commentary so well when we're at these larger events. And there's the one big screen, and we have, you know, the split crowd between TCG and VGC. I would hope that maybe we could either get two screens or at least like be able to hear the commentary going on. I think that would be the event a lot better for spectators. Totally agree.
0: Yeah. So I think we'll be fine with numbers and with whatever they decide to do with that. You know, we'll have to wait and see for that national or the international and see whether, you know, things turn out and us being hopeful was, uh, what exactly what we anticipated with, uh, positive energy.
1: I have one more thing. Um, you know, you know, in uh, the Brazil International, how they I, I didn't I wasn't there, but I saw videos and pictures of this. They had this awesome opening ceremony, right? Yeah. Um, it, it was like they blew. They, you know, they break—they brought the house down. Um, that was the first thing I thought of when I saw the spectator fee. So, like, you know, maybe there will be a cool performance or something.
0: See, now that uh, that I would not mind at all. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that'd be sweet. Get a little bit of like Pokemon Orchestra Symphony in there, or whatever the group is called. The, yeah, yeah that would be fun.
1: Or even something like they do at League of Legends LCS and have the, uh, the the players like walk around the stage, and there are lights everywhere, or something. That'd be cool.
2: Yeah, that'd be cool if like they had like you know last year's finalists up there or something like that. That'd be. I'd like fun. that. I'd I see be down that. for that. <laughs> <laughs> Touring around. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, I can tell by the tone of Steven's voice, he's trying to move us along here. I know. I just uh, wanted to say that so, <laughs> And so, we're oh, going to go ahead and talk it about Oh, you so well. <laughs> you're just, you're very predictable, Stephen. you know. I bet <laughs> even the viewers know this. That's so... pretty
0: bad, that's pretty bad for Pokemon, man, if I'm pretty predictable. Like, I'm not going to go far
2: <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, you've, you've, you've had your chance, you know, in the past. You've done plenty well in pre- previous years. I wouldn't say... That you're dead set. I'm not doing well this year either. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're going to talk about Virginia, even though it is uh, a little bit after the fact. Actually, is it? I think we're only one weekend late or so. But uh, uh, yeah, that's
0: weekend. it. We're fine. We're fine. Don't worry. You're about right. It.
2: You're right. We just couldn't squeeze it in last time because we had so much to talk about. But now we can finally talk about it. Talk about uh, the uh, new Big Six, as a lot of people were talking about it. Because you know if more than one person uses the same six pokemon the meta is
0: doomed <laughs> it's the new thing right it's oh, the new big thing
2: uh but it also ended up with a very surprising finish too uh so nick navarre i i no one's going to be able to say his name right but we're sorry we are. Nick, yeah but i'm i probably just want to call him nails because you know that's just how i think of him I so get that. But, i guess, yeah
0: that's safer then we don't have to botch the le- then we don't have to botch the names
2: so yeah, but Nails ended up winning the tournament, uh, which uh, while we're not surprised because Nails is a very strong player, we are surprised because he did kind of have a top four curse, uh, making it into the cut a lot this season. I believe he has four very strong regional finishes, but he just wasn't able to close it out until this uh, weekend in Virginia, where he actually managed to take the whole tournament with kind of a surprising team, too. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is a surprising team, and to- having a top four curse, that's not bad at all. <laughs> but still still glad to see him win it, though. Yeah.
1: I'd rather have a top four curse than no curse and just make X3 every time. <laughs> the X3 curse? Yeah, the X3 curse is not one I want to mess around with.
2: No, no. But, I don't know, uh, so both of you were at this tournament. Uh, did either of you get to play Nails or no? Oh, yeah, I played Nails. <laughs> I did not.
0: But uh, uh, yeah, we saw we see Aaron made the top cut in Virginia as well, made top eight, and you played Nails, so tell us a little bit about that. Yep,
1: so Nails lost three... Uh, sorry, I'm just really proud of this, because they were pretty nuts games. Nails lost three games over the course of the weekend, and two of them were to me. Um, okay, okay.
0: Ooh. We played
1: round four in Swiss, which was a really... Uh, it was a bummer matchup. So I was preparing for this tournament with Chuppa, um, we talk a little bit about it teams, Chuppa Cross. Um, and he said, dude, like, I heard about what Nails is running, uh, like, this Bulu stuff. What are we going to do in team building to, like, get around this? Our matchup is pretty bad. And I said, Chuppa, you know, if I run into Nails, that'll be my fault. I'll take that matchup. I'll take having <laughs> a bad tap of Bulu matchup. <laughs> um, and then I ran into Nails round four, and I was like, darn. <laughs> <laughs> um. So game one, I just get blown out of the water. Um, his Arcanine toxic's mine on turn one, and I'd completely forgotten that that could occur. Um, and you know, I I dragged the game out. Um, but I, I I lost that game like immediately, pretty much. So while the game, like the while the last turns of toxic were ticking down, I thought like, okay, I have to think of a stupid plan out of this one, or I'm just gonna like get sent to three one. So I, I like I figured it out. <laughs> Like before team preview in Game 2 had started, I figured it out. So okay. So I set it up so that on turn two, I would have my Cartana that wasn't intimidated out against his his Arcanine in grassy terrain, right? And I get everything off, and I have my Arcanine next to my Cartana, and I helping hand Bloom Doom, the Arcanine, in grassy terrain, and it's knocked out, and Hell's
2: forfeited the next turn. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, wow. It was awesome. <laughs> Why um, is Cartana beating its number one counter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it
1: was it was really funny. Um, well, I, he might not think so, um, but he won the tournament, so I don't think he even played. And so, in game three, um, I knew that wouldn't work again, um, ever, and I was really worried that if I was going to face him in Top Cut, that that would happen. Um, but the game dragged out, and then eventually I switched my Cartana out of Substitute into Arcanine, <clears throat> sorry, at minus one. Uh, to protect my Tapu Fini from an extreme speed, and get the Intimidate off onto his Arcanine. Um, so, my Tapu Fini survived with 7 health, and I hit him with a Money
2: Water to finish the game. Um, it was a real nail-biter. <laughs> nice, nice, nice one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it almost sounded like that was calculated, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's pretty impressive that you were one of, uh, I think, actually the only person to take a set-off Nails that weekend, then? I was, And so he might have lost one other game to another person, but you were the only person to take a full set off of him because he he did go X and 1 in Swiss and then win all the way through cut. Yep. He won Very impressive run by him, but also very impressive of you to be able to take a set off of him. Thank you. That was impressive out of me. I'll take that one.
1: I'm just really proud because I thought it was a horrible matchup.
2: (laughs) And uh, I kind of wanted to talk maybe about your team because... Uh, your team was actually very prevalent throughout the cut, but also through a lot of people that we saw on stream that didn't even make it into the cut. Like you yeah. said, you were uh, you were making this team, or like talking teams over with Chuppa, and I know Chuppa was using the same six in the uh, tournament. However, he didn't make it into the top eight. Uh, we saw a lot of strong players using this, so...
1: Yeah, so I know the, I know the whole story, I think, or at least part of it. Um, so two weeks before the tournament, or maybe a week, I was flipping out about team choice, I made a whole bunch of awful teams. I was going through like five a day. And I said to Marcus, Marcus, what do I run? He said, Aaron, you should just take Will Tansley's team from Brazil, um, which is the same six. So it's Arcanine, Cartana, Feeney, Porygon2, Gigalith, but instead of Tapu Koko, it's Toga uh, you Your favorite, Alex. <laughs> oh, of course. Thank <laughs> you. Um, and I said, Tansley, can you talk to me about this team? And uh, he helped me out a lot. And I practiced a lot. And like, As soon as I got into ladder, I knew that, like, this was way stronger than anything I had been working with before. Um, and I noticed that Tomorrow wasn't doing so great, so I swapped it out for Tapu Koko, and it felt even better. Um, and so I showed up to the tournament, and, like, I worked out over the course of the day that me and Chupa, who had been working together, started using this team. Uh, Rajan gave it to all his buddies, like, Alvin, uh... The guy who eventually beat me, Robbie Moore, um, a couple of other people. Uh Paul Chua had been playing with it for weeks. Um, so that's how that's how he got it, I think. And then uh uh Justin Karras and all his buddies, Chris
2: Danzo, uh No, I don't think Chris Danzo was using it, because I do oh, talk to he, Chris a bit, wasn't? but oh, okay. Uh Danny Hemchand was using it. Um Maybe, yeah, maybe.
1: Yeah, he was using it. And I'm sure there are like three or four other people I haven't named who are using it. Um, and so what ended up happening was, like, when I was four zero, like, all the people at the top tables had this team, and it was kind of like, oh, man, and, like, I think people were wigging out about, like, a new big six, like you mentioned, but it ended up fine. <laughs> um, yeah, but, so, my takeaway from the tournament using that team was it was a really good team for getting me through the Swiss rounds, um, which I really liked because I wanted some CP, um, but... Playing the mirror was so awful that I would not run the team again. It was just a huge drag. So my my two of my three losses over the tournament were to uh, Robbie Moore, who ran the same six Pokemon that I did, except for the fact that his Tapu Koko was faster, which meant that he could Skydrop me, um, and I couldn't really do
2: anything back to him. So my games against him were pretty gruesome, uh, as mirrors tend to be. Yeah, the classic mirror match, but he's speed creeped you a little bit, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not going to go well for you. <laughs> yeah. He's,
0: um, he's taken for the mirror. Uh, how many times did you play the mirror?
1: I only played Robbie. I only played Robbie in the mirror. Um, but I played him twice, okay. so that was enough to do me in. Um, mm-hmm. There are, like, a couple of things you can do in the mirror, but it's really up in the air. Um, and so in 2016, I really prided myself on my ability to play the Big Six mirror. Like,. Right, like Groudon and Xerneas. I was like, yes, like, I can go into this and I can win it. Um, So going into, like, this mirror, it kind of felt like I had, like, um, you know, I kind of... It felt like I was bringing, like, a knife to a gunfight, but my opponent, like, also had a knife. So I guess it was a knife (laughs) fight. We were both (laughs) kind of, like, evenly matched. Um, The whole whole trick in the mirror is that you have to figure out... um, when you bring the four, what Pokemon of theirs you have to immediately remove? So, like, if you bring like Gigalith, you better get rid of Kartana. Um, and the whole the whole point is to um, get your Porygon two in on one of their Z moves, and try and use your Z moves
2: to take out the Pokemon that are going to be important for them. Um, it's really hard. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, one, did you use anything different than Chapa, or did you and Chuppa just use the exact same thing?
1: Uh, I kind of told Chuppa what I was doing, uh, and then he kind of did his own thing. I had Specs Tapu Fini, and he used a Calm Mindset. Um, okay. My Gigalith was also Substitute, which I thought was really good. Um, and I mm-hmm. uh, liked it until I
2: ran into a Cursed Gigalith, and then I didn't like it anymore. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but Chuppa didn't have
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and so i guess besides substitute was that really it for like the and you said specs meaning was that it for the techs or did you have anything else interesting that you know made the team stand out because they're a very meta pokemon but i know that yeah. the sets were uh, a lot more creative like you said substitute gigalith
1: i had substitute on both gigalith and cartana which was a lot of fun um against some of my opponents there's this one poor guy with a porygon z um and i had two substitutes up in front of him and he couldn't get through either of them um uh, I also had a uh, not particularly bulky Assault Vest Tapu Koko, which felt really good to me. Um, like, it had, it had uh, you know, four moves, um, four attacking moves, um, which I felt, like, good about. Like, Thunderbolt, awesome. I want that Bolt Switch. I want that Dazzling Gleam. I want that Hidden Power Fire. I also want that. Um, and I didn't really miss Life Orb ever. Um, I think that was a different thing about uh me and chuppa's uh teams as well
2: you know with assault vest coco uh the life orb uh damage is uh, one of the things that people end up missing a lot but i think one of the biggest ones is protect you know yeah that ability to keep your coco around a little bit longer and while the assault vest does allow you to have a bit more bulk but i think that's like one of the big things that people miss is protecting it when it's going to be targeted down
1: yeah no you're absolutely right about that um so, especially, because uh, there are no ground immunes on the team, not having protect on Tapu Koko was a big problem, um, because Garchomp could really do whatever it wanted if my opponent was pretty smart. Um, there is, like, one of, one of my Swiss games, um, I almost got one v 4 by a Garchomp coming out of Trick Room because I just had to take attacks from it, um, with Gigalith, with Tapu Fini. you know, everything was slower, um... And that that was my other Swiss loss as well, the one that wasn't Robbie. Um, He just played Garchomp really well, and I had a really hard time getting around that. Um, The other thing about Assault Vest that people miss is the damage. And I feel like if you make your Assault Vest Coco really bulky, you don't do anything. Um, Especially if you don't get terrain control. Um, And so I felt that, like, uh, a lot of special attack investment, Assault Vest was, like, the right call besides the graf thing
0: nice did you find the did you find the uh, assault fest helpful in terms of your special bulk or did you appreciate just having that extra move slot as it for an attacking move what what worked out better for you the fourth move slot I think was the
1: best because uh is a problem if you don't have hidden power fire but what was really cool about it was that like Coco, like, if you squinted, became a Pokemon that you could switch in on attacks. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's really it's really fun to, like, switch Tapu Coco around with Volt Switch. Um, you know, get it in, do some damage, get it out, uh, save it. Um, and then you bring it back in. And if you bring that back in on, like, a couple of pouring-on-two Ice Beams, you're not going to have a Tapu Koko anymore, right? Um, so uh, I like this all because I can bring it back
2: in. Okay, that's a really cool way of uh, putting it and that's interesting to hear, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess with the tournament, uh the results we saw, uh we saw a lot of meta pokemon, we saw like I we had mentioned, we saw a lot of this uh team going around, but yep. uh other than that, we see some pretty standard stuff like the common core that has been talked about on Trainer Tower, Tapu Koko, Celesteela, Arcanine, Garchomp, that uh core was doing well and then uh, Cameron Swan being the sole representative of, uh, Tapu Lele in the cut. But we did see all four Tapus in this, uh, cut, which isn't too surprising considering their base stats, but kind of fun that all the whole family was here together. One thing I want to point out about this cut is that there are eight Arcanine. That's a lot of Arcanine. <laughs> that is a lot of dogs.
0: That is a lot of dogs. A lot of Arcanine. Uh, are you surprised? Because I'm not really. <laughs>
1: Uh, I'm not that surprised, sorry, my voice is going, but, uh, you know, we've been seeing, like, 60, 70, 80% in cuts,
2: Mm -hmm. and, like,
1: uh, 100% had to happen at some point, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, especially when you're looking at numbers as small as top eight, uh, but, yeah, uh, that kind of, I think, interestingly enough, the next tournament we're going to be talking about, uh, Korea Nationals. Uh, had Arcanine at 81% usage, so... Yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, even that had a uh the results all the way from top 32, so... Uh, you can see that when you have even more results to look at, Arcanine is just all the way up there, and when you're looking at something so small as top 8, 100% is, yeah, like you said, bound to happen. Uh However, Arcanine proving to be very meta here in uh, the Korean National, and while I didn't get to catch any of it, I did look through the teams, and... There are definitely some interesting things, and we, uh, I was following Seijin's, like, progress from, like, on Twitter, him tweeting about how he was doing. And that was really exciting to see, because, uh, I do root for him since he's such a well-known player and really cool guy. Uh, I was really hoping he was going to be able to make it to Worlds again. Do you know how the Korean national format works?
0: That's all I was going to ask you guys. If you guys caught any of it, if you knew what their structure was like. I think I know what it
1: is, but I don't know exactly. Do you know for sure what it is? Because I can tell you what I think it is.
0: I don't, I don't have a single clue.
1: Okay, Zero clue here. So let me tell you how it works, I think. Because Sajun was very angry when he tweeted about this a couple of months ago. But basically, okay. what you do is you go into the room, you you get a card, right? And you write down all of your wins and losses on this card. And then you walk around the room and you challenge as many people as you can. <laughs> right? And, and you do that okay. for a few hours. And then they take the people with the best uh, records and they throw them into top eight. Or maybe top 16, I don't remember. Um, it is nuts. Like, <laughs> it is crazy. Um, and so I think that's what happened here. Um, and uh, I think what Seijin also said was that uh, a player that goes like uh, 9 and 1. Might not do as well as a player who goes like uh, eighteen and two, right? Uh, or maybe like eighteen and three or eighteen and four. Um, it's a—I don't know exactly the formula that they use, but it is a, a weird structure. Um, and so it doesn't surprise me that the teams are a little unorthodox here at the top.
2: You know, that almost reminds me of—and while I was never a part of it, but I think both of you might have been—the uh, international challenges, the Wi-Fi tournaments. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> where they oh, didn't yeah, have a limit yeah. to the number of battles. Oh, so it god. was just, play as much as you can. Win as much as you can. Those were awful. Oh my god. You So that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from this.
0: <laughs> they were the craziest marathons and... Oh my god. They hadn't figured out the DC issue yet. You know, disconnects. Yep. Uh, where, yeah. you know, they could tell who, who did it. And if you did, you lost points. And if you... Uh, You know, where the victim of it, you would eventually gain points as if it were a win. Yep. So, yeah, this, you know, if this was the case for this tournament, it sounds like a really crazy Wi-Fi tournament like that, just in real life, happening really fast, and uh, d- 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 the different players get to play a different amount of games, which, you know, it sounds really weird for a, especially a national tournament.
1: Yeah, so I think Satan's call to bring a team that ends games fast is... Really interesting, because it is impossible to take Eevee, tur- Eevee teams past, like, 10 turns, right? Like, you either have won that Eevee game in, like, 4 turns, or you have lost it in 4 turns. Um, I have a lot of negative things to say about Eevee, but uh, wh- <laughs> one thing I really want to point you guys out was, look at the usage statistics for uh, Korean Nationals, which is Arcanine, Tapu Koku, Kartana, Tapu Fini, Porygon2, Snorlax, and Gigalith. So the same six Pokemon we were talking about from the Roanoke regionals with a Snorlax. And that's the top seven Pokemon there. That's kind of surprising to me. Um, Like the, the inter-tournament consistency there.
2: Yeah, really just picking like, you know, uh, while it's uh, silly to call the team Big Six because it's nowhere near close to it. It is kind of just taking six of the most used and most popular Pokemon, oh, throwing absolutely. them all together, because they all do have some good synergy amongst each other. And, you know, it's it's really just what every format has. It's not big six, it's good stuff. It's, you know, just take good Pokemon, slap them all together, and guess what? They somehow work together, because, you know, they fill that role that seems to be very crucial to the meta. And if you fill all those roles, you can kind of just do whatever you want. Your team's going to work well, and you're going to be able to function in a lot of different situations. Absolutely. That is the best take of that I've heard. Um, That's the best take of the success of the team that I've heard. And uh, then we did see actually a fair bit of Ninetales, uh, seven of them, uh, because Garchomp we're not too surprised to see up there, but uh, Ninetales is you know, not doing so well in uh, tournaments. We'll get to it later because it actually has had some recent success, but uh, we don't see it winning a lot of tournaments, and we don't see it cutting a whole lot, so I'm surprised to see... It at number seven, or not seven, but seven uh, instances.
1: Yeah, that is interesting.
2: But you can kind of see the uh, difference in the uh, foreign metas because there are a lot of one-off Pokemon, and we actually do see a lot of uh, Porygon Z. Although it seems to be like all the Porygon Zs were used on very similar teams, or at least a couple of them. Uh, so, uh, but they did end up doing well. Porygon Z is a Pokemon that I'm very fond of this season because uh, it's just uh, it's a really unique roll, you know, with the adaptability. It can just kind of blow stuff up with its uh, Z move. I wonder I
1: wonder what Porygon Z Murkrow, Marowak Cartana does. That's
2: interesting. You know, <laughs> funnily enough, I could actually maybe tell you, because oh. I've played uh, someone, like, I played him, like, a long time ago, but I played someone with the uh, same six as uh, the second-place finisher, uh, but it was like, but it was like months ago, uh, and I was playing on uh Spot, and it was someone from Korea with that team. So I think they've been messing around with something similar to this for a very long time, and it's just like a Tailwind Murkrow with Normalium-Z, uh, Porygon-Z. So, you know, like the uh, famous Palosan team. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yep. Uh, instead, you know, of Porygon setting up the Trick Room and uh, Speed Control, instead Murkrow is setting up a Tailwind for the team. And then Porigenzi's is trying to blow stru- through stuff then with its hyper beams and Z hyper beams. Oh, interesting. And so and uh,
1: Tapu Lele and Metagross to back that
2: up. Yeah, and then those two uh, obviously, like Tailwind teams, uh, we've seen have done really well with like Mandibuzz Lele and uh, Driflim Lele. You know, Lele just really enjoys having the speed control to fire off its hard hitting offense, since it seems that uh, Lele is the most consistently hard hitting Tapu. Uh, because of its high offensive stat, whereas Bulu, being the physical variant, just doesn't have as great coverage. And so, uh, these are all, like, a lot of hard-hitting Pokemon to take advantage of Tailwind and maybe try to win games quick. Kind of like you said how Sajin was trying to end games really quickly with his EV team. Maybe that's how they were able to be successful at this tournament.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That's a really good take, I think.
2: Uh, and also, you know, it's kind of funny as we do often see seeds on, uh, Tailwind Setters this format, just because, uh, they're led next to Tapus. However, Mm -hmm. I'm betting the Murkrow is a Violate, uh, just, I know it only has Prankster in the base form and not in, uh, Honchcrow. but I still think it's a Violate, just because that would be bulkier than using a seed on it. Uh, but, you know, it's used with both a Feeny and a Lele, so it's like, it could be using seeds, I don't know. I really don't know exactly what they're doing with these Murkros, but I imagine it's the Aviolite. if not, maybe Focus Sash.
1: Yeah, I'm especially interested in what Murkuros is doing, because it has that Prankster ability, which means it's got priority in non-attacking moves. But it's also paired with Tapu Lele on a couple of these teams, which means mm-hmm. that it can't use those Prankster moves on the grounded Pokemon, so what's going on there? <laughs> Seems kind of anti-synergistic.
2: You 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 bring up a really good point. You know, Lele is trying to capitalize on the tailwind turns, but it's also inhibiting its own Murkrow. You know, Murkrow is uh, not going to be able to do things like prankster taunt or prankster quash as it's uh, known to do. So,
0: yeah, I wonder if they're almost. I wonder if they're almost brought separately in two different kinds of modes for the team, uh, mm-hmm. kind of like the uh, your palisan team you had,
2: which I think would be kind of funny to mention. Uh, for those people that don't watch NPA, <laughs> Aaron is a very mean person. <laughs> uh, in NPA, Aaron brought the Palosan team, though not really my version, because I used Vicavolt over Celestela, but he brought Palisand against me in NPA and beat me with it.
1: Dude, I didn't even know that that was, like, a you <laughs>
2: thing. I was just looking for something to run, and it was funny, so I ran it. But it seems like you did that a lot in NPA. You know we're okay. getting off subject, but no, you you tweeted about this saying you used, like, you often used people's own teams against them. Like, you brought Eevee against Geo, right? That was hilarious. <laughs> but, you know, you said you unintentionally did the Palisand thing against me, but... Were you freak, Were you frequently intentionally doing this through the rest of NPA? Okay, so I only did it against Geo, um, and that was hilarious, and I do that again every day of the week,
1: even though I think Eevee is garbage. And <laughs> um, I almost did it against EMBC. Um, so the the deal against EMBC was that I used Mudsdale against him, uh, which is a Pokemon that everyone attributes to him for some reason, yeah, yeah. but like, I've been using it since week one, so I don't. Um, but I almost brought EMBC's, like. Exact famous six Pokemon I guessed into, okay. which are uh, Kartana, <laughs> uh,
2: Arcanine, P2, Mudsdale, Coco. Yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, Kartana, P2, Mudsdale, Araquanid, Arcanine. Um,
1: but I do know you're also a big horse fan, so... I love the horse. I think the horse is one of the best Pokemon out there. Um, there are very few Pokemon that deal with both Arcanine and uh, Tapu Coco as well as the horse does... Um, mm-hmm. You can switch it in, you can, you know, attack, you can burn it with Arcanine, and you're still not going to do anything to it, right? Um, yes, stamina is such a fun ability. Yeah, stamina is great. I like to pair my ta- uh, my Mudsdale with Bulldoze Arcanine so that you get the speed control on the opponents, and you also up the defense on
2: your uh, your Mudsdale. And then your Mudsdale might not get flinched by Gigalith when Trick Room gets set up. Yeah. <laughs> um,.
0: That's always a plus. Um, so I kind of, I kind of wanted to ask you about Mudsdale here, and uh, kind of curious why why don't we see why don't we see it that often in uh, a lot of the top teams?
2: I could not tell you. Um, There's not a single Mudsdale in all of top thirty-two uh, at the Korean National.
1: They don't know what they're missing.
2: <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, uh, it carries similar weaknesses
1: to Gigolith. Um, which are Tapu Fini and Cartana, which are super popular right now. But the problem is it's also weak to Porygon two. Um, especially if you give it that special attack boost. Um, Ice Beam does a lot of damage very quickly and it's hard for Mudsdale to keep up.
2: Yeah, considering Mudsdale's best way to hit Porygon two would be like either a neutral high horsepower or a close combat, which will drop its own defenses and just make Porygon two end it earlier, so
1: yeah, you kind of got to hope that you can get a close combat... Like, Trick Room's up, right? You kind of got to hope for a close combat. Porygon 2 attacks you, you survive, and then you can get another close combat. Um, mm-hmm. You, you got to hope for that. Otherwise, Porygon 2 is going to be a huge problem. Um, that was probably how EMBC beat me when I had a <laughs> <Let's tell>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it probably makes sense that uh, Gigalith. I guess when people try to consider... Do I have an answer to Trick Room or do I have something for my own Trick Room if I need it? People probably want to use something more reliable like Gigalith. And the you know, when that with their choices for Trick Room Pokemon, maybe there there is a little debate there. Do I want to use Monzilla or Gigalith? People are gonna go with Gigalith because it's more reliable in the uh, just in the uh, in the general sense of offense, defense, uh, staying power, and just you know, providing that. Uh, roll on the team.
1: Yeah, and weather control, don't forget. You get
0: oh, yeah, weather so control. Much yeah, see
1: against uh, Pelipper and Ninetales, and even Torkoald, if you sacrifice a Pokemon, it'll really get it first.
2: Yeah, I think we're seeing that's why P2 Gigalith is just becoming such a popular duo in the format, you know, two Pokemon that are unbelievably bulky, Gigalith having such a high defense stat and special defense stat thanks to the sand and Porygon two just having such great defenses because of the Abilite, it's very hard to take them down. And uh, fighting Pokemon just finding it hard to get past all the Fairies means that, despite having a common weakness, they're still able to function really well together in this meta. Yeah, totally, totally agreed.
0: Yep. Aaron, did you have a, did you have something? Oh,
2: I just wanted to say that
1: I was talking to Tansley, and it's like Tansley, how do I beat Heliper with this team? Um, and he said, dude, all you have to do is lead Fini and Gigalith, and then put Coco and Carton in the back, and you're fine. You'll win every game. So I ran into um, Ben Hickey, round three, at regionals, and it was streamed, and he had uh, Tommy Cooline's team from, uh, you know, all the internationals, uh, which has Pelipper Golduck, and I led that, in each game, it worked out perfectly for me. Um, yeah, those games are over in, like, ten minutes.
2: A lot yeah, fun. you know, you. I think that team has a lot to do against rain. You know, just Cartana, you know, d- resisting the water moves, Feeney resisting the water moves, Gigalith resetting that rain. And yeah. uh, while you weren't bringing Porygon 2 in this uh, plan, Porygon 2 also does function really well. Yep, because they have to double target it or
1: get buzzwollen.
2: in. Mm hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think that's probably all to say about Toronto, or not Toronto, uh, South Carolina. Toronto- <laughs>
0: What's kind of neat about the National is they, uh, they've already laid out their day two and day one invites. You know, they didn't have mm. to go through any championship point nonsense. Uh, so. Kind of neat. I think, I'm uh, sure they'd
2: rather have a different system, Stephen. but. Oh, I know, I know, I know. I guess kind of needs a nice way of putting it. <laughs>
0: uh, kind of just want to point out sage Park and Wansok Jang, who are both, uh, you know, top Korean players who've made top cut of worlds before. Um, uh, they've, they're into day two. So. Uh, big question is, what's Seijin going to do for Worlds? Is he doing <laughs> cards or is he playing video games?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, he has to make that choice. Totally forgot he had to make that choice.
0: Do you think he qualified for TCG Worlds too?
2: Didn't he win this national? He won, League? yep. He won.
0: Oh my gosh, really?
2: Seijin was very close to being a double national winner in the same weekend for two different games. Yep.
0: That is absolutely bonkers. So, were there tournaments held at different times over the weekend? Because I don't think that's something a player in North America could do. Seijin mentioned
1: that that's something that he really appreciates about the South Korea circuit. I mean, despite all the wackiness, they have a lot that's wrong there, too. Um, But Seijin mentioned that uh, it allows him to play both VGC and TCG, uh, which he can't really do as a North American player anymore. Um, You know, for those Pokemon fanatics out there, it's a little disappointing. I personally, you know, I think he likes VGC, but I think he'll go for the TCG win, because uh, he wants to do the double, right? And also the prizing's a little better.
0: That's a really good point. You know, uh, no one's, no one has accomplished that yet to win both world's titles in both, uh, games for TCPI or TPCI. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> uh, he's accomplished, you know, he's virtually accomplished everything you could do in VGC, you know, world's titles, nationals titles, um, if they have anything lower, he's probably done it too.
2: <laughs> I mean, let's be honest; he definitely has.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's uh, trying to take over the cards now.
2: My favorite, my
1: favorite sage moment um, was when he was signing up for NPA, the online tournament, uh, a few years ago. Um, and so, in those posts, you're supposed to, you know, write down your name, your time zone, and like your accomplishments. Right? So, I write down Seijin, Korea, top eight in an international challenge online tournament. and that was it he was one of the most liked posts in nugget bridge
2: (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) he's really funny
2: he knows what he's doing
1: oh yeah absolutely
2: (laughs) but yeah do you guys have anything else to say about the results you know we weren't able to really catch any of the tournament because i don't know if they were streaming it or not i don't think i personally was not able to watch it uh it looks like it would have been a fun tournament to watch though lots of interesting teams and results i definitely recommend People check them out on uh Trainer Tower. It's just the Korean National that happened this year. Uh, and so uh if you want to go see what teams were used across that tournament, uh yeah, head over to Trainer Tower. Uh the last tournament that we had to talk about though is uh the one that did happen in Toronto. I did misspeak earlier, but we are going to talk about it now. And uh this just happened over the past weekend. And uh what did you did you guys get to catch any of the tournament or no?
1: I caught a little bit. I caught bits and pieces. Um, but I did not see all of it. I saw the finals. I saw Trista play on stream day one, and that was pretty
2: much it. How about you, Steven? Able to catch any of this tournament?
0: I was unfortunately busy, so I did not see anything. Uh, I didn't really see the results. Or, so I I wasn't able to catch anything. We can
2: look at the results right now.
0: (laughs) I know that, but, um, you know, it's kind of neat to see some of these names pop up again in, uh, some of the top cuts that I haven't seen in a while. And then see someone like uh, our winner here in Toronto, Martin Gaidosh, Uh Looks like a Polish name to me. Yeah,
1: you nailed that pronunciation.
0: And, uh, yeah, his team is similar to Toler Webbs from the uh, Virginia Regional. So almost the same six. I don't know if they're the exact same team, but... Um,
2: is this the new big six? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Every year, be be six, every year. It's every year with this nonsense. Well,
1: I think I think the funny thing about Big Six like as a term was that before last year, it was like this joke term for like exactly what we're using it for now, right? Like the best six Pokemon at like this one point in time, right? But no one actually meant anything by it. And then last year, it was like, oh. These are actually just like six of the best Pokemon. You just squish them
2: together and you win right. all of your games.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. In 2015... I think it got labeled as Chalk, right? Chalk, Chalk-T? Yeah,
2: we had the uh the abbreviations, or... Oh, God.
0: Right, the acronyms. Aaron, do you remember in 2012, the Showdown Special? That's what they used to yes. call
1: this yes. big six? The, the Scarbless Special. We didn't even have Showdown back then. It was the Scarbless Special right. team. Because I was in Pokemon Online. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh my God, it was like Garchomp, Metagross, Latios, Rotomwash, Hitmontop, um... I think and, Zapdos, Cresselia, and
0: Chandelure were on it at some point. Yeah,
1: something like that. And, you know, people are always talking about how it's the best team Um <laughs> and that it didn't do anything. Um, so I, <laughs> I think, you know, maybe after a little while we'll start seeing some of that happen to our friends Coco, AFK, Porygon 2, and Gigalith. Uh,
2: but yeah, so, like the, uh, Stephen had said, there are a lot of familiar names in this cut. Uh, people that we've uh, seen do well in the past but maybe not so much recently, like... Uh... I know Trista had said this is her first time cutting a regional in a long time, and I believe for David Mancuso as well. Uh, they're both players that I've been familiar with since the start, and I, I definitely, uh, you know, like in my head, and known these to be strong players, but, you know, they just hadn't had that success for a while, and so it's really cool to see both of them uh, do well here in uh, Canada. And then uh, there was a lot of other people that I do recognize, and also some cool Pokemon picks. Like, we saw uh, Machamp trying to, uh, you know, maybe steal somebody else's role... As the uh, big crit hitter. I thought that was a really cool idea that I uh, didn't even know was possible. What did Machamp do? Well, basically, Machamp is still doing its no guard stuff. Uh-huh. But it's using Stone Edge and Cross Chop, which both have high crit ratios. Huh. And then just throw in a scope lens, and now you've got 50% crits on two moves. Wow. That don't miss. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's a low price. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a cool way to, uh, you know, take advantage of the new crit system that I think might have been introduced in Gen 6. I don't know if it was always this way, but, you know, you get uh, two stages up from your move and from an item, and then Machamp, yeah, you literally can't miss, so you're just cross-chopping for uh, 50% crits and stone-edging for 50% crits. I imagine that's a fun way to deal with Porygon 2 and Arcanine. So, uh, and you know what the Tapu Koko is doing here, right? What's, uh, wait, on Sam's team? On Sam's team, yeah. I do not know. He's
1: got Tapu Koko, Ego,
2: Celesteela, oh, Gyarados, oh no, is it...
1: okay. and the Champ. And what he does is he sky drops with Tapu Koko, and then you hit them yeah. in the air with the Champ. It's so funny. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. That... <laughs> oh, that is a good combo. Yeah, sky yeah. dropping to no <laughs> with a no guard Pokemon is not. Like, it's something that is very situational. You don't always get to pull off because you have to fit both of those onto a team, but. Yeah, you know, you sky drop a Porygon 2 and cross-drop it. You don't even have to get the crit, you know. Oh, Maybe... no. Yeah, and so then you get two cross-drops off, and yeah, goodbye Porygon 2. You can't even switch out of it. You can even bullet punch on the way down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: something that's interesting about Sam's team is that he's got Coco Annihile which was something that I flagged early on as, like, a core that could be really strong. And we saw some of it in Dallas with uh, Austin Bastidia Ramos- uh, also making top 8, um, and it's pretty hard to stop if you don't really have anything that can outspeed it um, and really deal with it, um, this Coco might have had Guardian of Alola. Uh, I'm not sure if it did. Someone might correct me on that. But Guardian of Alola, Tapu Coco, plus Nihiligo, uh, not much survives it. Celesteela doesn't survive it without the Figgy Berry. Porygon 2 doesn't survive it. And so you can, like, if you lead, like, I don't know, Gyarados and Porygon 2 into this, and you protect your Gyarados, and you think, I'm fine, and then you lose Porygon 2. Right. Like, that's, yeah. a, that's a big danger.
2: <laughs> that is a very cool concept, you know, being able to pair that to get beast boosts. You know, while you are using your Z-move, picking up beast boosts on a Pokemon that's threatening Snaya Lego with its really, really strong coverage, uh, that could be a really cool strategy uh, that Sam uh, had on his team. Uh, we saw, I think, Ian reusing the team that he's uh been having success with. I don't know if he's... What was his last cut? I.
0: Oh, God, I, don't, I couldn't tell I think you. It was, oh, uh, I think it was Brazil,
2: right? Brazil, yeah. So And the he used, I believe, the same six, right? Something close to it. I
1: think he had Arcanine. He had Arcanine over Celeste.
2: Oh, he did have an Arcanine
1: on it. You I'm not right. sure if it was over Celesteel. It was over something, for sure. It wasn't over Nilego. But it um, was a
2: similar team to this.
1: It was. It had the same core four, um, which is Faramosa, Tree, Smeargle, and Tapu Lele, which is a very, very scary four Pokemon to face down if you're afraid of Hyper Offense.
2: And I would definitely be afraid of Hyper Offense piloted by Ian, because he knows how to play it. He's definitely. shown that last year and this year included as a player that's very good at making reads. Um, so
1: I actually, before I was testing those Pokemon that... Uh, you know, we were talking about uh, the Coco, AFK, Porygon2, and Gigalith team. Um, I was testing this. I actually played it into the in the International Challenge for a whopping two points. Um, Ooh, okay, okay. <laughs> and so it's really strong. Um, there are a bunch of things you can do with it. So if you think that they're not... Like, if they have a bunch of slow Pokemon, you can totally abuse that by leading Smeargle, Zergatry, Follow Me, Spore, whatever you want to in Tail Glow, and then hit them with Zergatry, like a hammer. Um. You can also use Smiragle fermosa and protect your fermosa You can use the standard Fermosa Lele. Um But I had a lot of trouble making it work consistently. Um and so Ian seems to have figured out how to do that, but I, for the life of me, could not figure out
2: uh yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say it could very much be like a playstyle thing. Like it's just uh, it's a very aggressive team and uh, he's obviously, not only has he shown that this is a, a team that he's very comfortable with, but it seems if he's been using it since Brazil, he's very uh, practiced with this kind of uh, team. He's been making tweaks to it and figuring out what are the best ways to take advantage of this hyper-offense. And so uh, that's why we see Ian continue to do uh, very well with it. Uh, I believe he did actually like take a Game 1 loss against uh, David Mancuso. In top eight and still ended up beating him 2-0 so really just showing how uh well he is uh, or how well he can play this uh team so really cool to see something i wanted to ask you guys about though is uh one uh nine tails you know nine tails was uh something that aaron and i were talking about before this but it's a pokemon that hasn't actually won many major tournaments and now however it has uh just won this regional and then we also saw trista had vanillax in uh, the top eight, so two hail setters, two different ones that we don't see very often in the top cut uh doing well here in uh Canada. So what did you guys think of this?
0: Well shout outs to Ice Cream making an appearance in the <laughs> top cut. I don't think I don't think we've seen it uh, that many times, just you know, worldwide really. So um you know kind of kinda of proud to see that there. Uh with you know just with hail in general it's always great to have these different weathers interacting with with each other. And as a user of Ninetales earlier in the season, um, it was great when people didn't really know how to deal with it. Gigalith wasn't around as much as it is now. And, you know, if you really, you, uh, especially with all the weathers and especially Gigalith, you really need to play Nine Tails very well in order to be successful with it because it has a lot of problems.
2: Yeah,
1: that makes sense. I think it's kind of interesting how there's only one Gigalith in this top cut. Um, which was by the fourth-place player, Alex LaBelle, who has the uh, same six we've been talking about this whole time that I use. Um, and so uh, he actually played Martin in top four, and I can tell you that that matchup's not very pleasant for Coco, AFK, Porygon2, and Gigalith, um, despite despite not having Ninetales. Um, so I, I think Ninetales sort of had a free ride. Um My personal problem with Ninetales is that you don't really get anything but Aurora Veil and the plus matchup on Garchomp out of it. Um, It's really frail. It's typing doesn't do anything for it defensively. Um, It's stacking an Arcanine weakness on your team. Uh, And really, I think if you want to do well with Ninetales, you have to take advantage of uh, Aurora Veil. And you have to take advantage of those Blizzards. And you have to say, if I can't take advantage of those, then I'm not going to bring it. Um, And I think he used that really well to complement his Arcanine and Tapu Koko um, and, you know, keep the scary Garchamp away.
2: Yeah, and like uh, something else that you had said to me earlier was how uh, Aurora Veil just works really well with Snorlax because it's a Pokemon that loves to just stick around and boost. And so being able to have that Aurora Veil cushion in front of it makes Snorlax an impossible Pokemon to take down. And so uh, maybe after getting Snorlax set up enough behind the Aurora Veil, he was able to just kind of win the rest of his games. Um, I imagine Ninetales, you know, considering it's one of his six Pokemon, it did have a very important role in the team and probably did carry its weight. So, interesting to see that. I It's not a Pokemon that I very much agree with. I don't think it's, you know, the, the strongest at the moment, it's just because of Gigalus' popularity, Popularity, but, uh, you know, it did well. So, that's really cool to see uh, Ninetales, you know... Uh, take a tournament home, and it's really cool to see, uh, just a lot of the Pokemon in this cut, because, uh, like, Zergatree making multiple appearances is something else that's really cool to me.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I think with, uh, Ninetales is kind of, you know, kind of a strange one for me, uh, just seeing it's popped up in some top spots here and there, yet it's not the one of the, it's not one of the most consistent Pokemon, you know. Back when we were doing all the pre-release stuff for Sun and Moon, everyone's like, oh, Ninetales is this new Alolan Pokemon. It's got gonna have hail. It's gonna be setting up Aurora Veil for all these Pokemon. It's you know, just kinda to piggyback some more on some of the negative aspects. It has very poor offensive stats. Like, even though like what I think it's eighty-one or eighty. That's pretty bad for your offense. Oh god, it's awful.
2: <laughs> it's like talent. It's funny, it's Talonflame tier, but I don't know. Talonflame actually did threatening damage back in it, the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, was it? Because... Nigel has to split the power on Blizzard because it's a spread move. And, you know, you have to rely on the weather.
2: It's not... Even then, it's not as powerful as Brave Bird. You know, at a At a 110, it's still not hitting as yeah, hard as Yeah, that's uh, right. That's Brave right. Bird.
0: Yeah, so it's just... It's, it's been a really weird one, just because... It's not the most co- consistent, yet it's still good enough to be on teams and still make appearances on uh, very high finishes for some players in different uh, areas and different times of the metagame, too.
1: On the other hand, vanillax has a more impressive stat of 110 special attack. Um, and I really like Chris's pick of Vanillax, and here's why. Um, there are some teams that, you know, you can just play the whole game and keep Vanillux in the back. Like, let's say you get Tapu Koko to 50% health. Let's say you get that Garchomp out in the field for them, and you send in your Vanellix, and there is nothing they can do. Those blizzards are going to come at them, and, you know, they're just going to have to take it. Um, and so I really like that. I like that a little bit more about uh, Vanellix. Um, you can run the Choice Scarf spread and be fine doing damage. You can run Choice Specs and be fine doing damage, but slow. Um, and that's like that's a cool team option. Um, cool. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <I get> <laughs> a very cool Pokemon in Vanillix, right?
0: He's just he's just rich with the puns oh my God. all day today. <laughs> They've been great though. They've been great.
2: It's just too easy of a setup. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention uh, about this tournament just in general was I believe it was defended by Canada. I think Martin is a uh, Canadian player, and so that's really cool to see uh, that we did talk about Brazil Uh, a couple weeks ago, not being defended. But here, uh, even though it's a U.S. and Canada regional, in Canada, uh, Canada was able to defend it against a large number of invaders.
1: Yeah. Uh, I know Canada's VGC scene scene has been stepped on for a little bit. Um, They had a nationals in 2012, and they don't have nationals anymore. Um, So it's cool to see them come out in full force to this regional and show a lot of national pride.
0: Nice way to defend, Martin. <laughs> yeah, but still, uh, we've covered um, Virginia, Cur- the Korean National, and the Toronto Regional. Uh, the Virginia was also a regional, so a lot of teams. Uh, we've seen that common team with the some of the six very popular Pokemon on it. Uh, we've talked about that for a long, for a great deal of this episode. We've also seen a lot of different, and uh, there's just a lot of variety still in this format. Um, to, left to explore and, you know, still people, what we've seen thus far in the metagame. And this is, you know, it is May now. We're in this, we're in a really exciting time for VGC as we ramp up towards, um, one of the final few, some of the final few major tournaments of the year and ultimately worlds, which is only three months away. Can you believe it? Oh God. (laughs) I need to qualify.
2: (laughs) Yeah, me too, man. We're all in that boat.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, don't remind me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Worlds is coming up soon. People gotta train hard. Yep. <laughs> all right. Do you guys have any closing thoughts on any of these tournaments or anything else you would l- just really want to you know, maybe do a shout-out or something?
1: You, this is your one-shot, Aaron. Oh, man. I gotta I gotta make a shout-out to my mom for always believing in me. <laughs> shout-out to all my friends listening
2: because I love them so much.
1: <laughs> in all seriousness, I don't really have anything else to add. The friend's thing was serious, though.
2: oh yeah of course i know that you are big on friendship and uh just positivity in the vgc community and i always appreciate that uh seeing that like uh, anywhere so (laughs) yeah it's really nice uh that you uh are a happy light amongst a lot of the complainers in the vgc community yeah thank you very much i
1: like to stay positive it's a lot more fun to read positive things and mm-hmm. and you know every time you know tpci makes a ruling or a decision you know you you log on to twitter and you read thousands of negative comments but um i like to keep
0: it happy. yeah it's just a massive uproar gotta find that silver lining right
1: yep you gotta find hope and you know delude yourself into thinking everything's okay <laughs>
2: All right, but I guess that's probably it. Thanks, Aaron, for being on the show. It was great having you, man. Thank you guys so much for having me. I had a
1: blast. I'd love to do this again sometime.
0: Yeah, that would be fantastic. <laughs> uh Be very happy to have you back on. Thank you very much. But this will close our show here. And lastly, uh you can find us on iTunes. You can subscribe and download the show from there. Um you can leave us a review as well. We have an email, vgchypervoice at gmail.com, where you can send us feedback, questions you guys want us to talk about on the show. Um, lastly, also we're also all on Twitter. You can find us all there. Aaron, where can people follow you? Uh,
1: Twitter, T as in tiger, B as in best friend, and F as also in best
2: friend. Unreality. CBF <laughs> Unreality.
0: All right, perfect. And Alex, where can people follow you?
2: You can find me at L as in Lexicon VGC, and Steven, we're Okay, okay, right. You on I, I kind of got
0: I I got a little L lost there, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I am at Super Morioka. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. We hope you've enjoyed it, and stay tuned for more. We'll see you next time.
2: Alola. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Gotta get it in.
2: <laughs> it's a goodbye too. I know.
0: I know
1: it is. I just imagine you sitting at your desk doing the, you know, hand waving thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, the rain it's like
2: a rainbow with your hands. <laughs> it's nothing could be happier.